Hi, this is Matt Pabrowski, and this is the Equal Time Soccer Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, first, I'll say we this week we talked to Sean Jones, the president of the WPSL, the Women's Premier Soccer League. Um, it's the largest league in the world. It has over 100 teams, and it's really chocked with a lot of um, top college players and then recent graduates uh, who have a chance to kind of play in um, the NWSL or other leagues around the world. And that's what we talked to Sean about because they just unveiled and announced their first international combine where clubs from across the world will come to view top uh, players from across the league in Norman, Oklahoma during the championship weekend in July. And so we talked to him about who's eligible um, to take part, what kind of teams they have coming in, and kind of how they decided to do something like this in the first place. And just talked to him about the growth of the league overall and kind of the role it plays in, in the pyramid and, and how they think about expansion and, and their role in, in the country. So thanks so much again to all of our supporters for making this possible. Um, follow us on EqualTimeSoccer.com and on Twitter and Facebook for for all the news. And now to Sean. Sean, thanks so much for talking to us. You had a really exciting announcement this week that the WPSL, the Women's Premier Soccer League, uh, will be having an international combine where uh, players from across the country will have a chance to come to Norman, Oklahoma in July when you have your championship uh, weekend. And they'll have a combine where clubs from across Europe and internationally will be coming there to check out uh, as many as 200 players from the WPSL, which is, I think, kind of a first-of-its-kind type of event. And it's really uh, really interesting and as much excitement as I heard after the announcement so many people wanted to learn even more because they were so excited so um, talk a little bit about kind of how the combine came together and how you guys uh, um, decided to shape it this way and and what it's going to look like okay Matt first let me tell you again thank you for, uh, for contacting me so we could give an opportunity to talk about and talk about the combine um, as you know we took my my group we took over the of the league from Jerry Zanelli last October. So we kind of had a crash course in running the league and, and trying to improve things. And um, it, it was something that we felt was great product, but how do we improve it? How do we make it better? And one of the ideas that, that kept coming on is let's what, what can we offer our players that the other leagues can't? You know, what can we offer players that, you know, make them proud of being in this league and, and kind of further their goal of playing at a higher level? Um, I've got four daughters. One of my daughters was uh, playing overseas. She had the opportunity to uh, continue to play after after college, but she got there because, you know, she just had this desire to continue to play, and she didn't know how to do it. And so a year went by, and she just said, I I just want to play. So she went to a a local tryout with uh, an open tryout, I think, for one of the BSL teams, Houston Dash, and uh, she met the coach, and she did really well, but wasn't, you know, quite good enough to make their squad. But kept in touch with the coach and, and kept saying, look, I have a desire to go overseas. How do I do it? He got her in touch with an agent, and she needed to go play in Italy. Uh, really well, had an injury, and had some other issues that forced her to come home. However, when she was there, and she'd call me. She'd call me a couple times a week about the experience it was. The thing she kept saying that was interesting to me is she said, uh, you know, this is this is such an experience, but I literally get four or five direct messages or, uh, you know, contacts or what you know, what a social media, uh, some social media, and she said they're all asking me how did you get there, how did you get this opportunity, what did you do, did you hook up with you know, and uh, that kind of my my brain start working, and I thought you know what, what can we offer, how can we try to help these ladies who have this desire to go overseas and continue to play and play at a professional level, you know how how can we make that happen, how can we facilitate it, uh, you know, and, and as we we talked about before, 
you know, if you're not one of the top 20 to 30 players in the uh, graduating senior, there's nine NWSL teams. If you're not one of those top 30 players that's going to get drafted, you've got a very small chance of getting to play professionally in the United States. So uh, there are a lot more opportunities overseas if you're going to travel, but how do you do it? So the idea was, you know what, Let, let's see what can use our contacts and what if we can use fantastic clubs we've got in the WPSL who have these contacts and try to use those contacts to see if we can bring coaches over and take a look at our players. And so we kind of had this idea out. I, I talked to a gentleman named Andy who's uh, actually going to – is the combine manager, is head, spearheading our international programs from the WPSL. He runs Old Dominion in Virginia, and we started kind of bouncing these ideas off each other and said, what if we had every team – couple players, we bring them into one location, we do it in conjunction with the championship um, and kind of make it a real event rather than it's just been, okay, you guys are going to do the championship and we decided at the last moment to go there. Let's make it an event. Let's let's bring, you know, teams in all over the world. Let's uh, bring players in from all over the country. You know, hopefully some of their parents travel with them. Hopefully some of the coaches or some of the staff from our other WPS travel with them. And we make this a real event. And what we do is we, we we get a great representation of our league, you know, the top 200 to 250 players to all come to one place. We get coaches from, you know, Italy, from from the Netherlands, from England, from Spain, from, you know, Australia, from Japan, and we bring them in. We do a combine, and we have the players train and play in scrimmage games. Uh, so these, these scouts from these leagues take a look at these players and hopefully get them the opportunity to, to play professionally overseas. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how the idea happened. just kept working on it. And we spoke with uh, overseas, you know, scouts, several uh, teams overseas to try to figure out what their needs would be and how this would work. And uh, we've kind of hashed out this plan. It, you know, it's the first time we're ever going to do it. We plan on making that. You know, there's clearly going to be a curve and there's going to be things we learn along the way. But we're going to do this every year to try to create the opportunity for the, the fantastic athletes in our league the opportunity to, to play at that level, to play, you know, play to find the dream to get to play professionally. Um, that's kind of the whole thing was hashed. Well, and you, you mentioned a few countries there of kind of, um, you know, scouts or coaches from different places who may come in, and I'm sure you're still kind of gathering gathering folks up so it's not until next month. I mean, for those who haven't, who haven't um, followed, you know, a lot of those leagues abroad have kind of varying degrees of, of depth or establishment, but you know, just players with Minnesota roots that I can think of off the top of my head have played in places like Germany and Norway and Sweden and, um, and you know, like Cyprus, you know, in, in, right, in right. smaller countries yeah. and countries abroad. And um, and they've gone over there, and some of them have had an entire career overseas in the Bundesliga or in Norway or, or wherever. Um, and so it's, it, it is something where American players have a shot. But, you know, you said you're – your daughter got all those calls asking how did it get connected. Um, you know, the players I've talked to with Minnesota have said the same thing. They say, you know, well, just some random player messaged them and said, hey, our team needs a midfielder, want to come over. I mean, it wasn't any more right. sophisticated than that. And so having this structure is definitely um, definitely something that I think people will take advantage of. And, I mean, talk a little bit about kind of the, the response you've gotten from clubs overseas and, and who um, – who you envision or kind of how, how that response has been of kind of who you'll have coming over, who might take a look at some of the, some of the players in the WPSL. Well, you know, we, we can't release those names yet until we have those confirmations, but I can't, 
the Italian Federation has been very uh, crucial in helping us get this thing going forward. They love the idea from minute one. Andy's got some good relationships there. Um, there are actually three or four coaches from the Italian uh, Federation that are going to come and help us run the combine, do the training sessions, be very actively involved. Um, they each one of those those uh, gentlemen from the federation is representing several European or several uh, Italian teams. So got several scouts and several teams represented from Spain. Uh, we're working on some uh, clubs in the Netherlands. We're working on some clubs in England, uh, Japan. We've got one team in our league that's got a very good connection to the uh, to the top women's division in, in Japan, and we're looking at some of those coaches. So the, the response we've gotten has been outstanding. Now, several places have said, look, you know, this is a great idea. We want to get involved. Maybe we can't do it this year, or maybe we can send one person to represent three or four of our teams this year. Um, but they're very intrigued with the idea, and, and, and they're intrigued because of the level of play in the NWSL. I mean, in the, uh, the WSL, they, they understand that there are a lot of phenomenal female athletes and, and phenomenal women who are out of college who want to continue to play that can help their clubs. And they know, if, look, if we can come to one place and see 200 of the, of the best players in, in the states, best players that the U.S. has to offer, why not? That, right, it's it's easy. I have one flight. I come in for a weekend, and I can see all these players and make connections with players who are pre-screened, as far as we're concerned. Because I don't think a club in Minnesota or Chicago, even Fire or uh, Twin Stars uh, in your neck of the woods, or uh, you know Fresno Freeze or the California Storm, for that matter, they're not going to send players who aren't capable of playing overseas or don't have the desire. They're going to send players who who want to continue and are good enough to continue. So. You know, from that perspective, they, I think these teams, these clubs we're talking to, they're all very interested because they see the potential of sending scouts to go see, you know, all these great players in one location. Um, so, you know, from from our perspective, it, it you know, it, it's been a pretty easy sell. Now, you know, women's clubs overseas aren't as well financed as the men's. So there's there's always financial issues of getting here, etc. Uh, a lot of them have worked through it and. Uh, I'd be able to announce some great names of, uh, of clubs as soon as we get confirmation. But I will tell you, every Serie A team in Italy is represented. Um, one of those being Roma, which uh, I think they announced last week, me and on the board of directors of Roma, and they announced that they were going to have their female team starting next year for the first time in history. Um, and, and one thing that you and I have discussed before is a lot of European clubs uh, or federations are the mandate that their top clubs, Serie A, first division clubs, that they have a women's program. They're starting to mandate you have to spend so much of your time on, on women's programs and female, you know, uh, player development. So it's the tides turning that direction all over the all over the world, especially in Europe. And they need those players, they need the high quality players that that this league has to offer, uh, and that the United States has to offer. So I think there's a there's a window for the next five to fifteen years as those clubs, you know, ramp up their women's professional programs. There isn't quite the talent pool, let's say, on the female side, that they're going to need players from overseas. They're going to need American players, and, and so we think it's a great time to do this. Um, and a great opportunity for our players to get to get to go overseas, to get to go to Italy, Spain, Sweden, Germany, uh, France, and, and get, get to play. I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw it this week, but one from from here in my neck of the woods, uh, from Fort also a young lady named Anna Beffer, who played for Oklahoma State last year, graduated. She just got to Strasburg, and as soon as the WPSL season is up, heading overseas. Uh, and, I, and I think hundreds of players like that in this league, um, 
who have that opportunity ability to do it. And we just got to figure out how we get them there. How do we get the information to them? How do we get the structure to look at them? And, uh, and that's what we're trying to accomplish with this combine. Yeah, and the and the one question I got maybe most was about um, the idea of kind of college eligibility and the type of player who would attend. I think the, you know, if I'm thinking of the some of the top players up in the Minnesota clubs, but even even in some of the other clubs that the Minnesota teams have played, and I think probably across the league, I think plenty of them are kind of current um, college players who are maybe and even even younger college players, but some of them are current college players who are getting close to graduating, but they maybe still have some NCAA eligibility left. But you you and I were talking before, and I think what you mentioned was, sure, plenty of the people who want to go may be players who have already graduated, but just because the player's going back to school doesn't mean they can't go and showcase themselves for when they actually graduate. Absolutely. Our original idea was for players who are out of college. And we started getting the questions that, well, what if I've got a player who's going to be a senior and, uh, you know, she wants to set this up for the spring or for, you know, next summer. Um, and so we looked at the eligibility rules, you know, as long as they weren't getting compensated or had no direct offers or uh, agreements with agents, professional clubs, et cetera, it looked like it would be okay. So, you know, we, we basically, for anyone over the age of 18, we also have to make, you know, from, from clubs that said, look, players that want to come, but they're not in college. They soccer they've they've completed their you know, 19 on the youth level they're working they've got jobs they continue to play and they would love this opportunity Look, you, they don't have to be college players they have the desire to go overseas the one thing we encourage and we're going to continue to strongly encourage is that hey, i'm a rising senior at the university we're going to make sure if they attend this combine their college coach that they have cleared it with their department the last thing on earth this league wants to is create any kind of eligibility issues for anyone. But from our understanding and from the way the rules look, it looks like they'll be fine to go as long as they pay their way here. Um, you know, they're not getting some outside competition, et cetera. Um, but the idea there, okay, so I've got four months this, this fall. Uh, I'm going to be graduating in January, next May. But if I can already have my out there to where maybe January, February, my college eligibility is over and I'm making those contacts to see how I can get overseas next year for 2019. Um, so we thought, why not? Let's open players who have that desire. And, and if you're a junior, maybe you start getting your name out there to where two years ago, you know, there are very many teams. And, and for heck, maybe the NWSL starts looking at some players. Um, you know, if they're, they're, if they're overseas, maybe they're, they're on, on, on their ability here. In the so, um, you know, that's we've, we've progressed with it and it, it opened it up to all ages, or not all ages, the age of 18. Uh, as long as they're with their university, we're, we're going to allow them to participate. Right. And I, and I think that's, I think that makes sense. I mean, I think there's plenty of um, the college, uh, the timing of the college season is interesting because there are, there's been players, you know, up in our neck of the woods who, graduate early so they can take part, for example, in the NWSL draft process. But then right. there's been plenty of other players who just graduate early and then end up training almost all spring until they end up getting kind of an offer from Europe. Or there's plenty of right. players who are right now thinking about going pro, but they know they won't be able to graduate early. Um, so they know they'll have to kind of come into the next European season 
or like get onto a reserve team for the NWSL anyway. So I think I think right. there's I think allowing some more flexibility makes sense because I think the situation for how players find a way to a professional contract is always so varied anyway. And you know one Absolutely. thing you mentioned at the beginning really resonated with me just the fact that you know the NWSL is I think now fairly established in the U.S. and I think the level of play is pretty fantastic for people who who watch it. But because it's still small, there's just not that many roster spots, and it's pretty tough to break in um, to a roster. But you know, up in up in our conference, for example, we've seen um, the Chicago Red Stars reserves have you know have been a really high quality team. Um, they're in the you know the top of our conference. Um, they just had a you know there were two unbeaten teams, the Fire and the Red Stars Reserve, and they just played this last weekend. It was a pretty good match. Um, but the Red Stars Reserves, uh, who I think you and I may have talked about this before back when we we spoke earlier this spring, but talk a little bit about kind of how those reserve teams um, interact. Because while we're talking about eligibility, how do those kind of professional reserve teams work? Do they have to technically um, be unsigned or, or are they under contract? How does, I know the teams all kind of do it differently, but how does that kind of work in the, in the WPSL? Right. So basically, you know, from our perspective, the teams have to make a choice. Am I going to be a professional team or am I going to be an amateur team? And the way the NCAA works is if there is a one paid player on a roster plays with that player, whether they're paid or not, loses their ability. It's a professional club. So, you know, that's what's kind of a quandary for some of these. There's also North Carolina that gets in the past wanted to ask for the courage. The problem is, is you've got the Chicago Red Stars. Some of those players are paid players, Chicago Red Stars, who are just parked on the reserve squad. Literally, you can't have any college players playing with them. You know, even though they might be very good players, it's, it's basically the, an all-or-nothing type of system. Now, as a college player, I can play against them team there's no there's no problem with the but so what, what ends up happening is these sides in a lot of cases can't pay those reserve players so they're 22 23 24 years old they're waiting table they're an accountant during the day they're hoping for the league you know what we're saying is look we can create an opportunity for you to go overseas you can play the entire european calendar um, and then you can come back and play for the reserve reserves the chicago red star reserves again next summer uh, because our our league is such a short league, it's you know, May, you know, middle of May through the end of July, really works well with the European calendar. So, um, you know, from that perspective, you and I had that conversation. If I'm not one of the twenty thirty players in the country when it comes draft time, it doesn't mean I'm not a really really good player. I really have the desire, and maybe all it takes is going to play in France for a year and really skills because I'm playing day in day out to get to come back and break into the end of it. So, you know, what we're trying to do is, is facilitate, how do we get them over there? How do we, as a help our players chase those dreams, our players, you know, play at that high level? And that's that's kind of the goal of our team. But this is the next obvious, for me, step in, in making that happen for these players. Right. And I think you, you know, that's uh, the thing about your league, the, the WPSL, is that, it's so expansive. It's in it's in so many markets. Um, you know, you have over a hundred hundred teams, kind of nationwide, um, and it's set up pretty well because the conferences are are pretty localized, so the travel isn't too much of a burden. And um, you know, we get to play against local teams, you know, from neighboring states like Milwaukee and Fargo and Chicago and, and all those things. 
Um, but how do you, I mean, you do, you've talked before about how much demand you have for, for new teams. And, you know, you talked a little bit about how, you know, the NWSL reserve teams are, are in the league. I mean, you, you have a lot of demand for growth. You have a lot of development overall. This combine is a key step. Um, how are you seeing that kind of growth and development overall? And, and what are some kind of guideposts you're aiming for um, as you, as you kind of get even more into the groove of, of operating the league? You know, it's kind of a balancing act. And, and you know, what you just mentioned is something very important. You know, we've got, unfortunately, we, we don't have a money in a lot of these clubs, right? We've got to keep the, the, the number one cost is travel. We've got to be able to, to regionalize it to where, you know, if we can have a conference of 8 and 12 teams and they're all within three hours of each other, hey, that's perfect, right? It really works well. Not a lot of overnight stays, et cetera. And now the teams, rather than spending money on hotels and airfare, they can spend that money promoting their, their club and trying to develop their club. We've got the, the blessing of having over 100 teams able in most areas to be able to do that. You know, when where it's a balancing time is, you know, you don't want to get the position of too many teams, right? Because you don't want them to be, you know, I guess, uh, you know, feeding one another. So it's, it, again, every area is a little different. Every market's a little bit different. You know, the, we're going to continue to expand because our goal is to provide this level for women in the United States. We provide a great level, a professional type of experience. Um, and we know that the market is even close to being saturated. There are players in places that really are able to, they've got the ability to want to play at this level. So it's like kind of always this balancing act is, is, is that market just big enough for one team big enough for two? Is there enough local talent for more than one team? Is there enough local talent for two? I mean, things are obvious, right? I mean, Little Rock, Arkansas is probably not ever going to have two teams. You know, there are other places like Houston that have more players than we know. This. So what's the right number? Um, and, and that's something we're struggling with a little bit to grow, but I, I can tell you, Matt, I, I've had just out of the blue this week, hey, we're very interested for next year. I think at this point, I, I don't think this has been public, but we've got over 70 teams that have expressed interest in expanding next year. Now, I both know all those won't work. We also know a lot of you know, people calling they're interested until they figure out what's involved and whether they get the players or not. Um, you know, but a lot of those folks are very serious about are fantastic youth clubs or fantastic PDL or NPSL or UPSL that are doing really well on the men's side, and it's them to expand on the women's side. So um, the interest we're getting is amazing. I mean, it, it floors every week the people I talk to who are very interested and seem very passionate and committed to do this. You know, it's just, like I said, it's a balancing act. If that number is finally, I don't know. You know, some ideas in certain markets there's a huge demand and there's enough teams and there's enough we're thinking about okay so what's the what if we got eight teams in markets in the WPSL what if we started WPSL 2 or a division 2 in that market and the new teams come in and they have division 2 and they have to win their way and relegate promote to the top division there are markets southern california comes to mind Texas, south texas comes to mind where there that number of teams to where New teams do want to come in. I don't care what club they're in. They come in, they come in in Division Two and they got to earn their way up. I think we might be a year or two away from certain markets doing that. Now, in your neck of the woods, that's probably not a possibility for several years. I don't think we're going to be at that saturation point of clubs to where we we need to do that. But there are places like Florida, 
um, like I said, California, Texas, where there is so much demand, there's so many teams contacting us, and they're great clubs. And, you know, it's this, like I said, it's this perspective of how do we bring the great clubs in without losing the teams that have basically played in the league for 20 years or 15 years or 17 years and have a history and do a great job. Um, and that's kind of what we're struggling with a little bit, and it's a great problem to have. But, um, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it's it's a fine. It's a balance. It's a balancing act, and we're trying to, or I guess, a tightrope. We're trying to walk and make sure we do the right thing, and you know, always with the idea in the, in the, of making this league better, making it stronger, you know, but making the opportunity available for women to play. Right. Well, and you, and I think, you know, one thing I've seen in as you kind of see see different clubs, and and you mentioned, you know, people come in not knowing all the details of kind of what it will take to run a club or the financial support or all those things. That's pretty normal. I think that's probably true of any league. They, You assume a certain level, and then once you actually do it, you kind of adapt to it. Um, you know, one thing we've seen up here, and I think it's probably true kind of across the country, is different teams do come in with different levels of support, and then it gets to a point where, you know, certain clubs that do a really good job of getting sponsorships and getting support – then their players have to pay almost nothing, or maybe they, you right. know, maybe they buy their own cleats and buy their own equipment, but not much more than that. And then other clubs, um, it costs a decent amount of money for the travel and things like that. Um, have you thought at all about um, uh, a type of, you know, league league-based support where the league does sponsorship kind of across the WPSL, or or does you know things like live streaming across the WPSL, or is yeah I mean, such a big league that those would be more in the idea phase now, kind of as you get to feeling out kind of where things are. Yeah, I, I would say you know those are ideas. Um, live streaming. I mean, half our teams don't live stream. I can tell you, almost every one of them is interested in doing it. You right. know, we're 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 researching, we're actually testing out two or three different ways it this summer with the idea next year of having. PSL TV, where literally every game in our league um, will be streamed, where there'll be one platform where you can go in, click, and, and, and stream it, you know, whether that's on our website, whether we find an outside provider for that. Um, you know, those are things we've talked about. We're working. Um, you know, some of our clubs do a fantastic job with streaming. You know, I yep. mean, you know Columbus Eagles, fantastic. You know, the, the team in Tulsa, they, they've done an outstanding job. I mean, they've got commercials on air. You know, they've, they've way to monetize it. You know, other clubs are just doing the My Cujo route, you know, and, and kind of, you know, just trying to get the stream out there with, with no voiceover. Some of them are trying to find local posts. You know, that's never been really pushed league-wide. It's been, you know, the way Jerry kind of ran it was look, every club's different. Every club's going to do what they want to do. We don't want to mandate anything, and we don't either. But at the same token, we don't want to mandate it, but how can we help our clubs get to that level? How can we help everyone find a cost-effective solution for live streaming they can generate revenue from, um, and, and the way I kind of look at it when you talk about league support, the way I look at that is, look, every club is operated differently. A lot of these clubs are tied to youth clubs. Some are tied to men's clubs. Some are tied to professional clubs. You know, some just have a wealthy benefactor, have great sponsorship support. But if we can make the league to where people know what WPSL is, the, the, the information, the social media, the uh, – uh, the game reports we put out, the publication we put out, you know, the way we, we promote our players through players of the week, regional players of the week, by doing the combine, by, you know, having our championship live streams and, and having, you know, if we can make this league stronger, I think it in turn helps 
each and every individual club because they now are in the league they can be proud of, that the league's helping promote them, they're helping promote the league. So if if I'm in a league and people have heard of the WPSL and we do our job over the next three to four years, it should be easy in, in Minnesota to go find sponsorship because say, hey, look, this is the league I'm in. Look what our league has to offer. This is what we're tagging you to as a sponsor. So we kind of see that as our role league-wide. Now, if we could find a Barclays Bank who wants to sponsor the entire WPSL for half a million dollars, and we can take that money and give every club X number of dollars, that would be fantastic. Right. Um, you know, we, we, would, we would do that in a heartbeat. You know, we're just right. not there yet, right? So as we go forward, if we have those opportunities, we're absolutely going to explore them. I think our first goal is to find at least a sponsor big enough that once you make the playoff, we can really, really start to to pay for the travel. You know, so if you're a regional champion, to, to the national championship is paid for. You know, maybe if you're a conference champion, maybe it's a three thousand uh, dollar stipend to get you to the regional. Right. If we could find a national sponsor, I think that would be the first way to go with that money. Right. Um, and then just use it to promote the league because, you know, I, I had folks tell me when we took this over and I first started talking to teams, I had one gentleman tell me, and he was honest, and he said, look, I'm embarrassed of, of the league we're in. I'm in a nationwide league, but, you know, I go to the website, I haven't anything updated in four months. You know, the statistics are wrong, the standings are wrong. You know, he said, so I'm kind of like under my breath saying, oh, I've got a women's team too. He said, if I was proud of this league and, and I could go, look, the league I'm in. Go click on this thing. Go look at the fact that you know 300,000 Twitter followers, and they have this kind of social media engagement, kind of level of interest in this league. That's the league that I'm playing in, and I want you to sponsor our local in that league. I think we've done our job because we've now been able to help you as a club advertise and and go out and create sponsorship to pay for that. Do you see what I'm saying? I think right. that's the way we can help teams. Right. And I think you know, and you know, that's our that's our goal for most. Right, and and you know, for those who haven't who haven't checked out the website yet, it's it's fantastic. There's tons of information on there. There are so many clubs you could explore. I mean, so many teams you could check out. So many teams of the week. So much information. Um, WPSLsoccer.com. There's a lot of good information there. And a reminder for folks that combine is going to be uh, July 20th through 22nd, the same time as the championship. For the WPSL, Sean Jones, the head of the WPSL, thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's an exciting development for you guys, and we'll be happy to keep checking in with you, um, maybe even just uh, checking in after the combine to see how it goes. Absolutely, Matt. And I, yeah, I appreciate everything you guys do to support the league and to support your local clubs. And, uh, you know, there, you've got several clubs in your area that are doing a fantastic job, and I hope you guys continue to support them. All right. Thanks, Sean. Talk to you later. Thank you.